This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 143, Gen Con 2014 Legend of the Five Rings Preview. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I'm here today with Jay Earl. Squeak. Yes. So Mike Cook and I, you may remember, two episodes ago talked about everything not L5R at Gen Con. Well, no, that's clearly not correct. A small sampling of non-L5R things at Gen Con that seemed interesting. (laughs) And today, Jay and I are going to talk about L5R things at Gen Con, because that way I can justify continuing to say things like L5R and beyond (laughs) on our website. I suppose that's easier than bringing in the bed and the bath. (laughs) Yes, please. Well, right, it's the continued schizophrenic composition of the podcast right you have people who want to hear all about l5r and not really anything else and then you have people who want to listen to all about sort of random board games but are not interested in any sort of long-term commitment to any one specific customizable thing and our objective is to to try to make those groups get together and play nice and i suspect that they mostly just listen to the one half of the episodes or the other but if you do like Strange Assembly. Don't forget, you can visit us at strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the full podcast feed on iTunes, or there are sub-feeds on our website if you want to subscribe that way. You can also follow us at Strange Assembly on Twitter. But L5R, Gen Con 2014, uh, we are at the heart of darkness. The poor little Dark Naga who was birthed in a direct-to-player set right before Gen Con, with apparently the intention of kind of being forgotten for a while. Hey, it was it was Forgotten Legacy. Yes, yeah. But he, I think he wanted to be remembered after that point. Like, it had been forgotten, but now it was remembered. Well, then he should have come up with a more catchy name. It's, it's really the fault of his marketing team. No, the fault of his marketing team is that they made everybody see want to see more of him than they had really planned on seeing. So... Now, the Dark Naga is, I think, going to get the sort of cataclysmic presentation we have been waiting for. He's not going to be the big bad for an arc or anything, but he's been kind of skedaddled out of Rokugan. Right, it's it's the type of thing we're used to seeing for, like, a god beast or other invented two months before to have a bad guy at Gen Con type villain. But he wasn't invented two months before, although... That's what I'm saying. He's been downgraded. Upgrade. And this also, of course, coincides with the release of Siege, Heart of Darkness, Go Go Marketing Crossover. But, again, I've been waiting for this sort of multiplayer big boss versus a team of players product. So I am super excited about that. I really should talk to Reese to see if I can get to play the Siege deck for some of the challenge booth game, or, or a challenge booth game, let's face it, I do not have the possibility of Gen Con of sitting there playing a bunch of challenge booth games. Too much that I will have to get done. 
we need two things, right? Just like we have two episodes about Gen Con, don't you think we need two Gen Cons? I think we need at least four Gen Cons. I mean, how many PAXs are there? Like, 12? There should be at least that many Gen Cons. Well, there's at least two PAXs, but you could have some, right? Because the... If you really want your Gen Con packed, if you play a CCG and then maybe you play some of the Fantasy Flight LCGs or something, right? You could sit down and really want to, to go at Gen Con and be like, well, I want to play in this L5R event and that L5R event, and then there's the the Star Wars LCG championships, then there's the big, huge Gen Con release tournament for Doomtown, and then there's that, right? And they're all at the same time, basically. (laughs) Not just at the same convention, but at the same time. Because the big scheduling thing with all of these tournaments is qualifiers on Thursday, qualifiers on Friday, have your big fancy event on Saturday, or, or at least both of them. So you inevitably have to pick and choose which for me at least means well i'm never going to play those non-l5r things on saturday at gen con (laughs) okay so the structure for the l5r tournaments is you've got the individual tournaments that all have their individual prizes so i guess we could talk about those and then we can talk about how they fit into the heart of darkness meta story thing okay so the standard which is what we'll see again here at gen con is that on thursday and friday there are grinders for people who are already qualified for the main event on thursday there is an invitational on friday there is an alternate format tournament and then on saturday there is the main event for the people who have qualified and then there is the second chance for everybody else. The Invitational Tournament is a draft tournament, which is, I think this is the first time there has ever been an L5R storyline tournament that is entirely draft. You've had the Topaz Championship, which for many years had play constructed until top eight, and then do a draft. But can you think of any other occasion where... Draft was used? No. Yeah. This is the last vestige of madness, right? We had the whole Panku versus Fudo thing, and then right at the end at Eurochamps, there were a whole bunch of eggs of Panku making copies of everybody everywhere, and I think all of them showed up like in one fiction or something like that, and then they've never shown up since then. Right. Give or take. And this is that the winner of this, they get to pick somebody from their clan who will kill off the doppelganger from that clan. Well, wasn't, wasn't there at least one clan that was like, nah, we're too smart for that, or we're too cool, or what have you? I, I think, did Crane and Lion, perhaps, not that have sounds right. copies? I definitely want to say Lion. It's been long enough. I don't remember either. If you win and your clan didn't have a doppelganger, then the character you pick will destroy the, the doppelganger from the second place clan, or the third place, or the fourth, or however far down they have to go. The more interesting thing for me than than that possibility is, what if you don't want to kill the doppelganger? (laughs) Oh, do you want to keep fake uh, Nalish alive? Yeah, that would be one, right? I could see Spider and Mantis players wanting to keep their odd couple. Mm. Fake Saigo and fake Omegawa, right? 
I could see, depending on who it is, dragon or unicorn players wanting the, uh, I think of them as the natural born killers. <laughs> versions of uh, <laughs> you're like oh they're such a cute little couple oh my god what are they doing you know, keep them going around right because that was deliberately created by the players hey this would be interesting so i guess then it's you know well don't get to the finals and concede if you don't want yours to get if you don't want to have to kill yours so that that'll be out there uh, so that's on thursday the invitational and there's also a main event qualifier then on Friday, the alternate format tournament is Big Deck. So that is the 100-card deck Highlander tournament. So uh, it's kind of crazy. So for Big Deck, I think you really want to put your money on who's really good in Big Deck. Crab? A unicorn? It just happens so infrequently that... Oh, Shadowlands really- will be bonkers. I've paid attention since I played in it last year. So no, yeah, it does happen infrequently, but I, I think often with big deck, a number of factions are effectively excluded because they haven't been around long enough to have a suitable personality base. You have to remember though, because big deck's going to be ivory rules, right? Which means basically every legacy car personality just got its gold cost bumped by two, which probably means like. Rattling are completely unplayable. Old school cards, unless they were stupid bonkers, pretty unplayable. Yeah, well, that's why I suggested that Shadowlands may become the thing. So yeah, you're right. Shadowlands might be the thing to play just because all of their old school cards were costed like that the same way. And some of them were really well costed too, so... Yeah, so that seems a big advantage to them. I, I think Big Deck is almost always won by military. Yeah. When you look at the personality count, like Crane, feels like they're the only thing you could possibly make an honor deck out of. And there's a big disparity. Legacy cards may matter for some fate side stuff. They matter for some events, for some holdings. But when you look at personalities... Most old personalities are just awful. Right. Compared to stuff like Lotus Edition personalities or, or Emperor Edition personalities, right? There's just a, a huge gap. So I think a lot of what is successful is, right, you're going to be like, okay, I have to play military. And this format does not allow me to play something like a theme deck. Because I simply cannot put enough guys and fate cards in to fill out the theme. So you. You cannot play a Kensei deck. You could just maybe scrounge up enough weapons over the course of the game, but no, there's not enough Kensei cards in existence, even playing the bad stuff. There aren't enough personalities, yeah, there aren't enough weapons that aren't terrible, and there's enough weapons if you want to just run all sorts of random nonsense. So I think the sort of default thing to do with Big Deck, if you don't have something cutesy, is have a deck with a very good for military versus military stronghold and that has a deep base of personalities who are not dependent on any one shtick. They're just generically good. I I don't know. So that's my sort of general impression of 
where to start with Big Deck. And you are allowed some proxying in Big Deck, so that can help with card support. Cards, yeah. If you get 40 proxies out of your 200, which maybe doesn't sound like a ton, but that is an, an awful a- lot. Especially since the cards that are hard to get are the really old ones, and again, because personalities are so much better than they well, yeah, I don't setting aside how Ivory works into it, but you know, for the the five or six years prior to Ivory, the personalities were just unbelievably better. You go back and look at Jade or Gold or whatever our personalities. Every once in a while, there's one that's bonkers, but most of them are just terra bad. Right, we've had discussions about the heroes of Rokugan personalities and how incredibly laughable they are. Yes. It's a 5-5 five, five with no abilities for 13! Woo! Uh, <laughs> and that's one of the good ones. <laughs> but that is a completely different format. This has been other things before. It's been a legacy tournament. But Big Deck has had the most traction lately of the alternate formats. So that's the one that they are going with here, and the storyline is A Tale from the Past, right, because Big Deck lets you play with almost all the cards ever. There is a, you can go to shirobigdeck.com slash rules, and there is a band list, so, you know, make sure you check that. It's not literally any card in the world, but right. so, because you could mostly use any card, the storyline prize is A Tale from the Past, which lets you pick any personality ever, and you will get a story about them. And that's it. On Saturday, you've got the main event and the second chance event. The main event is called the Field of Battle, and the traditionalist followers of Seiken and the progressive followers of Shibatsu. Hey, have I seen those cards lately in a Line in the Sand previews? Also mentioned on, like, at least two personalities per clan. Yes, yes. So now you've got traditionalist and progressive, which is interesting because Shibatsu is a much more attractive option if you present it as progressive versus traditionalist as compared to the eldest child versus the youngest child who you really have no reason to support. So two clans are actually going to have a battle at some point about the heirs. Allegedly, maybe, for very definitions of battle. Well, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Well, we're getting the traditional story. Why? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they're they're gonna have a fight of some sort. It's gonna be about whether you support Seiken or Shibatsu. I guess I hope that I hope that before we get the Gen Con, we get some fictions that kind of make us feel more in place. It's it's sort of weird the way that Gen Con. And the the lag time that you can sometime have on those stories makes it feel weird. Like, we're at a spot in the story where it doesn't really feel like there's any reason for anybody to be having a battle no. about Seiken versus Shibatsu. And yet we know that that's going to come because that's what the Gen Con prize is. I guess I can get more into the Gen Con prizes if prior to Gen Con they kind of get... right the story to a point where the John Gun Prize can make sense. I almost wonder with something like this if they might not be better like the winner will get to deciding choice, details to be revealed as it unfolds. So we don't all know, oh, there's gonna be this fight between the two of them. 
eh, it may be hard for people to get enthused about. I mean, we have no a, idea. Yeah, I mean, with something like this, it could be like, okay, the beforehand Gen Con is all about the Dark Naga, and then oh, by the way, we've got another thing up our sleeves, and then after Gen Con, it's like, oh wait, there was this going on too. I don't know. This is why I'm not in marketing. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's a great marketing idea. I think it's inevitable to have some amount of disconnect there. But like I said, I hope that by the time we get to Gen Con, we will have more of a of a sense of how these tensions right. are developing and why they're developing. We'll care. So that, well, it, okay, care's the wrong word. Yeah, I think care's the wrong word. It's not that you can't care about it. I would just like to know why this is going from zero to bloodshed really right like the, the conflict between Seiken and Shibatsu is really more something that has played out in marketing materials than it has played out in the story yeah and i i just wish you'd get more in the story about why this is happening why this is going on does Shibatsu have a reason to actually challenge whether or not his brother should be heir, other than because Kempeki thinks it's a good idea, which is really the only one that has been presented so far. Right, well, and also similarly, more, you know, more reasons for the various clans to want to support one heir or the other, beyond the obvious spider ties. Yeah, or if we had just seen the heirs more, we really have not seen them all that much even this year, we, we've seen them more this year, finally, but for the last couple of years, even though they've been building up to this, we have not seen them that much, and especially Seiken, when we see him, half the time it feels like the purpose is to make him seem like a giant jerk. I want there to be a choice between two positive options, like, oh, this is cool, but that could be cool, rather than the whole, well... Some people don't want Shibatsu to be emperor because he's related to the spider, and some people don't want Seiken to be empire because he's a giant moron. Because he's a jerk, yeah. <laughs> and so, which is less bad? Right, make me want an emperor. Stop playing American politics where you're trying to get me to vote against the other guy. Make me want one of these guys. Yeah, but I, I do think that they are going to be getting their more with progressive versus traditionalist because now each of these sides has right it's got a one word right, has I, something they can go behind i mean because yeah you you know like all the lion players are like of course we're traditionalists screw you for suggesting otherwise yes and that makes it much more clear why you could have other clans lining up behind shibatsu once you sort of accept that, okay, this is a competition, even though we're not sure why it's a competition. Once you've got that letter, you'd say, oh, progressive. Well, okay, obviously the spider, but Mantis, that progressive sounds like the sort of thing they'd support, and Unicorn, okay, yeah, I mean, there are, the Unicorn are kind of odd in that they're sort of very traditional, but in different ways. (laughs) Right, but you know know the emo of uh, Mantis are all behind the uh, rebellion there. Oh, yeah, oh, no, the the Mantis are totally going Shibatsu. 
they were going Shabbat too. Even before this, they were going Shabbat too. Well, so here's the thing. My my default has always been, well, Seiken's the oldest, so I guess it should be Seiken until you give me a, a reason otherwise. So how long until Shubatsu comes out and says, why haven't my mother put in place the Katsuki method throughout the empire? <laughs> you know what? If, if I was... You're completely swayed to her. <laughs> or swayed to him. Uh, you, you are easy to buy. <laughs> what? Well, the Miramoto are, I, again, tradition are very traditional in certain ways, but the Tomori are not at all traditional. The Kitsuki are not seen as traditional by the rest of Rokugan. Again, right, I'll, and and your bald house sitters are certainly not traditional. No, no, I mean it's it's a little different with with the Kitsuki to some extent, like with the Unicorn and like with a lot of other groups. It's that they're not traditional when seen within the context of Rokugan as a whole, but it's not that they don't believe in tradition, it's just that they have their own, right? The Kitsuki method has been around for 350 years or something like that now. It Has it? Yeah. Yeah, Kitsuki was hundreds of years ago. Oh, right, no, I'm thinking of the other guy. Never mind. <laughs> what was his name? You know, the, the ninja guy. Never mind. T- tangent, not important. Okay, good. I, usually I'm the one who, who does that. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see the progressive versus traditionalist labels. And this has so much to do with Gen Con, by the way. And I'm also glad to see the traits that you mentioned on the personalities where they talk about coming into play for... I think it usually comes into play for one less gold. It's usually one less gold, yeah. If your allegiance is traditional or progressive, because one of the things I'd been saying, right, was I would like to see this conflict embodied more in the cards i would like to see what what did i suggested like watermarks on cards and yeah i like that you see that and i suspect we're going to get some of that split like the crane actually already have that like there's one personality traditionalist one who's progressive i mean they're the crane they're, they're they're playing both sides and also the daughter and probably three other heirs we haven't heard about that sean won't vet next year well I sit where I have always sat with Miyaka is the the daughter that you mentioned is I think she was created for L5R Love Letter. Oh yeah. And she is not part of the plot. She just is like she isn't part of the plot. They had their plot and then this character got added in for a a brand reason and they're not going to throw a massive monkey wrench into this multi-year plot that they've been developing just because there's this other character and she's actually been married off now. Right. I do remember seeing something that's like, the other two are heaven, but she's been married off. No mention of who, of what clan, but yeah, she's married. Until informed otherwise, I'm just going to assume that it's because I adore Love Letter so much that it must have been my clan. <laughs> I think that that is a perfectly reasonable assumption. I hear that we have a clan champion who uh, probably needs more angst in his uh, <laughs> tragic love life. Not only are we marrying you, that happens all the time. You get married, you still love somebody else, maybe you do think, but if you marry the one of the imperial children, you really cannot go do that whole love match thing on the side. Like, that's no. that's not going to work. You, you are in unbelievably deep trouble if anybody ever knows about that, and they will. Because, you know, the Scorpion are around. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They don't like us anymore. If you notice that. Anyhow, so this is one of those conflict things that come up. Whoever wins, they get to pick which air they support, and they win the battle. And whoever loses in the main event, well, they're going to lose in the main event finals. Well, they're going to lose the battle, and they're going to lose the battle on behalf of the other air, whether they like it or not. <laughs> right. Those are always the best. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention to what... Do they have to be different clans? Can we have another Crane Civil War? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, yeah, they do not have to be different clans. You could yes, presumably have here Unicorn Civil War or whatever it yes. is. But that's that's the field of battle. That's the main event. That is standard ivory constructed. The second chance event is different because we have intro- we've introduced the strict format. And the second chance event is strict, not ivory legal. Now, this is interesting because now it means that you have to build a completely different deck for the second chance event than for anything else. Right. So if you go and try to grind it on Thursday and Friday and you fail, you now have to have a completely different deck. And I don't want to try to spend a bunch of time digesting everything that happens with the strict format, but there is a lot of big stuff that goes away. There are huge, huge changes. Firstly, Coils of Madness. Secondly, uh, Jade Pearl Inn. Thirdly, uh, is it Progressive of Mine? Productive, um, productive yeah. Productive Mine. As a general matter, the four gold hold scheme is eviscerated. You lose Nexus of Lies, you lose Jade for right. Lynn, you lose Productive Mind. The only one that you have left is Bountiful Fields. You can play with that, but you're still mostly going to be relying on, I guess, a bunch of two gold holdings. Right, you can't, you can't build your scheme around it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I kind of look at the sort of easy prediction for Strict is Unicorn, because they're really good and their gold scheme isn't changed at all. Right. They don't take nearly as many hits as some of the other clans do. Everybody's going to be looking at a comparatively thin personality base. Well, yeah, because it's basically what? I Base Ivory plus... Is it even two? No. Yeah, it's just one, isn't it? Because a line in the sand will be the second expansion. It will be at Gen Con, and it will be part of prize-supported Gen Con. Right, but not legal, so it's... Base base ivory plus one set. That is ugh, that is scary. a very small environment. That's not really the optimal. I mean, I think that's the smallest environment that the game has had in years, maybe decades. Yes, that seems like it's the smallest environment since what? Shadowlands, like gold base gold, because base gold you had gold and spirit wars, and that was it. Well, yeah, but those... And that was if you could get Spirit Wars. I guess it's about the same as, as that. I guess we could look and see what the set sizes were, but... Well, that's almost 15 years ago. Jeez, I've been playing this game too long. Was gold, gold, was gold, gold was 15 years ago? Wasn't it 2001? I would say gold feels more like 10 ago, but I guess uh, 10 years ago, but I guess it's... Maybe it's... Which would be 13. Yeah, it's, it's in between uh, 10 and right, 15. rounds to 15. Yeah, but... uh. Like you said, Coils of Madness is gone. The biggest thing about that is that 
all of these bonkers, unique personalities that are in coils, gone. Also, the the weapons out of there? Well, there's actually only one weapon in there that is particularly noteworthy, but that is another thing. The four best weapons, probably... Right, all go out. Well, certainly the four most... Yeah, certainly the most, the most played weapons around are Family Sword, Justice of the Crane, Cohen's Staff, which is from Coils of Madness, and then Kalimbajiak. Yeah, all of those are gone. The followers, depending on what kind of follower build you're playing, you can lose a bunch. Elephant Cavalry is reasonably played. That goes away. Splitting Llama is played a lot, especially by Unicorn. It goes away. New Cavalry Tactics and Family Dojo go away, which are a big deal for follower decks generally. Yeah. But there are other heavily played groups of followers that don't go away. For example, the ranged attack suite of followers. You've got stuff like Expert Archers, Spearmen, Ashigaru, all those are still in. So those can still be played with. The weapons, I think you have to completely change how you approach weapons. I don't think you can just bring in the most played weapons, because the most played weapons that are, will actually be legal are stuff like Utaku's Destiny. Yeah, I mean, they they obviously had such a change in, in their weapon philosophy pre-Ivory, in going into Ivory, post-Ivory, that, yeah, don't think Kensai's dead dead, but I think it's a completely different deck from what it is right now. Yes. With full, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know where that's going to end up. There are still a lot of strong Kensei cards, and it may be that they have an opportunity to get out there and do more in this environment than they could before, because you you do still have weakness exposed and come one at a time, so there's still definitely an attraction to dueling, although the dragon hijatsu dueling thing loses demonstrating technique, so it doesn't really have a great duel anymore to activate the sensei as a limited action. Right. I mean, yeah, it's always so hard to speculate on a future environment, but again, I don't think Kensei is dead, I don't think weapons are dead, but I think they are so very different from what they are in non-strict ivory. It's hard to speculate, it's hard to see what that's going to look like. Yeah, well, especially since a lot of the Kensei cards require you to bow your weapon, which meant that they synergized really well with things like Family Sword and Justice of the Crane, which I, I know Justice of the Crane has a battle action, but those were just primarily efficient force, and then you could just bow them, and who cares, whereas if you're doing things like playing with Exquisite Nagamaki of the Fox Clan, it's a real cost to bow it, to do something with one of your actions. But a lot of the good card draw for the format goes away, Game of Dice is gone, Temple of Tengen is gone, Bamboo Harvester's XP is gone, and you notice the two of those are the Eternity Bug cards. Those are gone. No Creating Order, no Entrenched Position, no of other cards that didn't actually get played. Unsettling Gathering is gone. Hooray! No one will miss it. I'm sure there are jerks who will miss it because they're jerks. Unholy Strike goes away. Ooh, yeah. Because Jade Pearl Inn goes away, I 
kind of question the continuing viability of one gold holdings, I would have really no interest in playing a 3-1 gold scheme without Jade Pearl in. So even that out, no, yeah. Nobody plays a 3-1 gold scheme with Jade Pearl in. It's it's a bad gold scheme. Um, am I mistaken? I thought Dishonored decks almost had to just because there were that many one-for-ones that really fueled Dishonor. Well, Dishonored decks play with three copies of Brilliant Cascade in. Oh, is that it? Okay. Well, I mean, they may have something else in there, but the big thing is that they play more than just the one or two one gold holdings because of Brilliant Cascade in. But I think they often would have trip BCI, of course, and then maybe Yukihime's Hot Springs for shutting down honor holdings and, and such. Right. Or for preemptively shutting down your Yukihime's Hot Springs. But there's some other reasonably played cards that go away. Breaking the Rhythm yeah. goes away. That's helpful for and against Unicorn. A couple of good terrains go away. The Crystal Tears goes away. Lakeside Retreat goes away. Especially since this is the second chance, you're not going to have a lot of the players that would put the time in to figure out the environment. It really is sounding more and more like this is Unicorn's tournament. Is that just me? That's the easy thing. Right. Well, I mean, it's easy. It's straightforward. A lot of the counters are going away. I don't know. We'll see. Prove me wrong, Phoenix, please. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Phoenix. On the one hand, I look at it and be like, yeah, you guys are still doomed. On the other hand, the gap may be less. I kind of feel like I'm probably going to be horribly wrong or it, it won't, I won't be right enough for it to matter. But when I look at the spider guys, I can actually construct a set of spider personalities that I'm okay with having in my deck, which I can't do with some other clans. Yeah. And of course, when everybody's like that, well, then it doesn't really matter. But you know, the question is going to be what other clans are like that. Deliberations is gone, another ranged attack card that got played a lot. Another hit for weapons is that Dark Audience is gone. Oh yeah, to go fetch stuff. General's Hatamoto, which was pretty solid, is gone. So I think those are the a lot of the most commonly played things that go away, in addition to just, like we said, stacks and stacks of great unique personalities are yeah. bye-bye. But even trying to predict anything with this is, I, I suspect, an exercise in, in futility. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Other than, again, the easy, well, yeah, Unicorn seems like it transfers pretty well. Right. If I were betting, I would put my money on Unicorn. A, because they transfer fairly well. B, Unicorn does well in an environment where people don't know. I mean, Cavalry is strong. People don't know what they're, what's going on. Cavalry is so strong. See, as you pointed out, unlike a lot of people, their their gold scheme was not badly hit. They've still got their 5 for 5, right? Yes. So, their gold scheme is probably better than anybody else's. And Lion's gold scheme is still relatively untouched. They they do the Suwana Dojo, but they're just playing a stack of 3 for 3s. And then finally, again, simply because it's the second chance, that's removing a certain amount of the people who are going to, you know, 
otherwise put a lot of effort in to figure out what the environment actually looks like and find the amazing decks. I can sit here and theorycraft about second about the second chance event in the strict environment, but it's not like people are sitting around clamoring to play strict right now. I think that strict is going to be a thing that people do for the fall tournament series. Right. I, I think once you have that second expansion that you can actually do start doing strict. Yeah, I, I think that would be more ideal, so you'd have a little bit more choice. Right. And the storyline prize for that is the final disgrace, which is the Scorpion are finally going to take out Paneki's disgrace. Right, so who gets to help them? Yes, yes. So, But it's not a, an impressive storyline prize, but you know what? It's the second chance event. Right. And, I mean, it's, it's the second chance event, and you're also getting to save a district, so... Well, you do something with the district. Okay, you get to have a hero in the district. Yeah, which we'll get to in, in a second. So, it's the second chance event. It's for people who are too lame to play in the main event. Oh, did I mention like that I will play in the second chance event? Yeah. As much as L5R is my favorite thing, I think like I there's too much of Gen Con to spend it playing L5R, and so... Right, right. There's, there's not enough time to do the play-in rounds. I don't know about you, but I know I'm not a good enough to get in on the Thursday grinder, and I've got Doomtown on Friday, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not doing the main event. Yeah, I actually am pretty confident of my ability to get in through a grinder. Maybe it's snobbish, but especially once you add in Friday. Thursday is okay. Thursday is harder, and actually Thursday will be harder this year than it normally is, and Friday too because there's no Wednesday grinder. Right. The store that they used to do that at, they have something else going on, or they're not there anymore, so you won't have a group of people that get called out on Thursday, but really, frankly, for the most part, if you're good at L5R, you really should not have a problem grinding. Right, because, I mean, you only have to go, what, like, X and 2, right? Yeah, you have to go 5-2. Yeah. And and it's going 5-2 in a, a very large field. You're not playing on Friday, but by the time you get to the Friday grinder, if you're only going to play in one grinder, yeah, you'd want to play on Friday because, right, everybody else, right, everybody already ground in on Thursday. Right, you've had all the Kota winners are out, and all of the people who ground in on Thursday are out. You're pretty much just competing with the people who couldn't show up on Thursday. Yeah, so I'm actually confident that if I wanted to grind in the main event, I could, but that means that really what you're shooting for is playing L5R on Thursday and or Friday. Right. At least two of the four days, probably three, if you're really lucky, four. Well, if you're really lucky, you wouldn't need the fourth. But yeah, I mean, right, you're, if you're shooting to win in the, the main event or the second chance that you're playing in, you're going to go into Sunday, especially since they have to... I don't know how early they're going to close it up on Saturday because then there's the big L5R experience, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But to me, my options are do something like grind it on Friday, play on Saturday, d don't do well, probably, let's, let's be frank, or play in the second chance event on Saturday, compete for Top Dragon. <laughs> yes! Well, I... 
I mean, I could say compete to win. I, I, I'm too. I, I spend too much time doing other things now to be. No, no, I agree. I, I'm gonna go the second chance, and I'm hoping for top Phoenix by default. Well, that's not gonna happen. I know. But Stop ruining my dreams. You can try to be top Phoenix, but you are not gonna be the only Phoenix. Because think about it, Jay. All of the Phoenix will have failed to grind. <laughs> Uh, fair point, yeah. Well, I, I, I can hope that they're all so discouraged that they're not even bothering to play. Or what you can do is, right, you, you play something other than your clan in the grinder, grind right. in, and then you switch if you want to. Anyhow, so my shot that I'd be aiming for would be play on Saturday and then come back on Sunday morning for, for some top whatever. That's that's what I'd be shooting. I'd much rather aim for that as my two days of L5R than spend all day on Friday or Thursday or Friday grinding and then go into the main event. So I plan on bringing a strict deck. I've got to tell you, for the amount of time I have spent trying to figure out what is going on with strict, I do not feel like I am much closer in the the general specifics. I will note that almost all of the really good movement cards are still around. Right, because a lot of them were in base set. Yeah, su- sudden movement, back to the front, fall back. Coward! Advance warning, right? That was in the base yeah. set. There's an awful lot of that really good movement stuff that does carry over. I don't really know what to do with the the rest of it. I resisting doing something like just playing unicorn or I don't know. But um, anyhow, and then of course, though, I will also have to bring Ivory Arc deck because I surely plan on getting in on one of these challenge booths if I can. So there's been this weirdness with the challenge booths before we talk about what they are, which is that they were listed on the Gen Con website as if they were distinct individual events and then had a Sunday finals round that you had to qualify for. I think that was just completely done wrong. And they're not on the Gen Con website at all anymore because this is just supposed to be the challenge booth. Right. And so what the the challenge booth is that you will have one person, AEG employee or volunteer or, or whatever, playing the Naga deck from Siege Heart of Darkness. And they will be playing against teams, and those players get to bring their own Ivory Arc decks. And presumably, at least at the beginning of the of Gen Con, they will not be optimized against the Siege deck because no one knows what's in it. Right. Whereas by Sunday, they will be totally optimized and beating it left, right, and center. It, it, is, it is possible. We'll see. If old Medusan Lord challenges tell me anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the effect that this challenge booth has, the way it's described, I think it will... This is why I think that what was up on the Gen Con website was just wrong. This is future Chris here, popping in because since we recorded this, the Siege of Darkness challenge booth events have been placed back up on the Gen Con website. There are 12 specific events for this, and they run from Thursday morning at 9 a.m. 
to Sunday at 1 p.m. A half of them are already sold out as I speak, so it is not as free-for-all as I was thinking it would be when we originally recorded this. If you're interested in doing this, which I strongly recommend you try out, go on the Gen Con website, get your tickets. It's six bucks. Anyhow, back to the show. That this deck will get played a bunch of times, and there are six different districts of the second city, and the Dark Naga is besieging the second city. And for every time that the Naga deck wins, or I guess I should be clear, the Dark Naga deck, right? Because you had some people who were like, oh, I'm an old Naga player. I want, I want to play with the Dark Naga deck. And the reason to be like, you guys realize that this is the opposite of Naga. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the guy who wants to destroy all the other Naga and take right, them Right, this is evil Naga. This is Naga with a goatee. They're just totally, yeah. Yeah. But, but, anyhow, Nego, so... Nego Naga. I acknowledge when I say Naga, it is evil Naga, even if I don't put the dark in front of it. So every time the dark Naga wins, that's another district that is going to get raised. And then every time the dark Naga loses, that's one fewer district that will get, that will get raised. So sort of a sliding scale back and forth between zero and six districts getting raised. And those are the peasant, artisan, merchant, temple, military, and imperial districts. Okay. So that is what the challenge booth is determining. It's going to determine how many of the districts gets raised, which could be, look at that, he just took out the entire second city. Yep. And only if we're lucky. Yeah. So each of those districts is going to be assaulted by one specific evil Naga from the Dark Naga's army. The Dark Naga himself will be attacking the Imperial District. The Shakash, who's awesome, by the way, will be attacking the military district, and a third Naga from Forgotten Legacy, the Sleepless One, will be attacking the Temple District. The Artisan District is being attacked by the Quelsa. The other two are the the Riddikesh is attacking the Merchant District, and... Who's a well-known Batman villain. (laughs) Yes, and Asket is attacking the Peasant District. I have no idea who those people are. I suspect they will have cards since they have nice, pretty art. Mm. In, uh, well, the Riddikesh has nice, pretty art. I'm not sure what I think about the albino snake. Uh, he looks, he looks like somebody took a Ronin badly photoshopped in a snake. <laughs> oh, we're, we're pissing off some artists that we have no idea who it is. Hooray! <laughs> so each of those guys is assigned to one of these districts. Well, Who's going to defend these districts? For that, you go back to the main event and the second chance. Out of each of those tournaments, you're going to take the top 64 from the main event, and you're going to take the top 32 from the second chance event, and you're going to split those into pods. And each of those pods is then going to be playing a single elimination tournament. So, right, instead of just cutting the top 16 for the main event, uh, at least as I read it, there's the top 16 playing, and then there's the second 16 playing, and the third 16, and the fourth 16. And what these people are playing for is the right to name the hero from their clan who is going to be defending the district. And you have to name your hero at the beginning of the single elimination thing. Before you know what the outcome of any of this is going to be, you are going to have to identify 
who the person is that you're sending in. At the end of that 16-person pod, you're going to have a winner who will also be, for two of those pods, the winner of the main event and the winner of the second chance. And the hero that you named is going to go off to lead the defense of your particular district, and the pods have pre-assigned districts with the top, right, the top 16 at the main event is the Imperial District, for example. Right. And they get to kill the Dork Naga, presumably. Or be killed by the Dork Naga. One of... Win-win, really. Well, they are the least <laughs> likely to get killed because the Dark Naga raises the districts in a particular order. So True. the person whose guy is most likely to be killed is the guy who wins the 17 through 32 pod in the second chance event. So there's an awful lot going uh, around with that. It's pretty interesting. It keeps more people playing longer. It also lets them just do something like flat out cut to a top 16 in the main event. Yeah. And the other players who are, you know, 5-2 or whatever, but not in the top 16, they've still got something to go and compete for. I think that's pretty cool. It increases the chance, right? All I have to do is make top 32 in the second chance event to get to keep on playing. (laughs) I don't have to, like, make top 8. Right. That's always a positive. But like I said, these are ivory legal decks, and so I guess you could play your strict deck, but that's really just asking for your district to get destroyed. So, I mean, or not your district, but for you to lose that game against the Dark Naga and thus have another district be raised. Yeah. What I hope we don't have is something... I think it would be obnoxious if you had a group of people that did something like, for example, went in and deliberately lost repeatedly to try to help the Dark Naga. You know there will be people who do that. Well, they should go and ask if they can play as the Dark Naga then. Mm. Right? I, I think that's what you should do. So, there's still one thing left that we have not talked about, and that is the big L5R experience, well, there probably should be two things that we should talk about. If you've been paying attention to AEG over the last several years, one of the biggest events at Gen Con or uh, has been AEG's big game night, which has been something like, pay your $32 entry fee, get a gigantic box of swag from AEG, including sometimes limited edition versions of games and all sorts of craziness. But that's mostly, that's really been a general board gaming sort of event. They may give you some L5R stuff, but it's not an L5R thing. Last year, I, I think was the first, no, not last year, two years ago was the first time they did an RPG, a big RPG game night. And that's on Thursday. I am not currently in that because they sold out. Yeah. That event filled up, which is good for them. That's on Thursday night. And that is here is a new exclusive, maybe not exclusive, but here's a brand new adventure for you to play through. I'd say if you like the RPG, that's something you should check out, but it's sold out, so you can't. But there's also the big L5R experience, which is on Saturday night. The generic big game night is on Friday night. And and that thing sold out. Did it maybe last an hour or two after they started selling tickets? That is one of the hot yeah. tickets at, at Gen Con. So for the L- big L5R experience, you get a goodie bag and that's when the costume contest is and there's going to be some other stuff there, I-, I imagine. But you get a custom box 
that reminds me of the the box for Shadows Embrace. It looks like it's the same size. It's split into three, so you could have rows of cards. It comes with L5R packs. You get dividers, but most importantly to me, you get L5R versions of several AEG games. Two of those are brand new games. I think they just now, we're recording this on July 22nd, I think today, I saw something that these have hit stores, so I guess they're not technically Gen Con releases, but not the L5R versions, just the normal versions, and that's Lost Legacy and Seventh Hero. So I can't really tell you anything about these games except they're card games and they're new. I think Lost Legacy Lost Legacy seems love letter-ish. The other one, though, is Guildhall, which I think is, is great. Guildhall came out a couple of years ago. There was a, a second version of it, and so now it's L5R Guildhall, and Guildhall is a it's a set collection card game, but there's a lot of interaction, and you have to build up these sets in your guild, and then every time you play another copy of the same card, that builds up how powerful the effect is, right? Because your guild is stronger. We did a review of it. You can you know search for Guildhall on the Strange Assembly website, although just the normal version, not the L5R version. So. I think it would be pretty cool to get an L5R version of that. I don't know how different it is, but I, I noticed that they do have different symbology, at least on the cards. It may just be different symbols for the same effects. Yes, actually, I think it is, because I'm looking at the scorpion, and although there's Tory arches and a little pagoda, I think that's the same as the assassin. But Guildhall is great. Have we left anything out of that plethora of L5R stuff at Gen Con. I sure hope not. That was a lot of uh, L5R going on. Yes, so to recap, all weekend, go play in the challenge booth for Siege Heart of Darkness, then buy Siege Heart of Darkness. Not only will it be awesome, but then someday they will make Siege second day of thunder, and there will be rejoicing. You can play in the grinders on Thursday and Friday. If that doesn't interest you, you're already qualified. You can play in the draft tournament on Thursday. You can play at the big deck tournament on Friday. The main event is on Saturday. That's Ivory Arc legal. The second chance tournament is strict legal, and it's at the same time on Saturday. There's all sorts of storyline. You can hit L5R.com. They've got a Gen Con, big Gen Con button over on the right side where you can see what all this stuff is. But uh, we're definitely going to be around L5R at Gen Con. We'll be actively playing in at least the second chance tournament. I still haven't decided if I might fiddle around with, with something else other than that in the challenge booth, but definitely right now I will be playing in the challenge booth and the second chance tournament. That is also what you're aiming to do there, Jay? Get in the challenge booth at some time and then second chance? Definitely second chance. We'll see if I care enough for the challenge booth. And I'm also crazy enough to do costume contests, so... I'll be one of the people with a horrible costume. Well, you should be one of the people with an amazing costume. Come on. No, no that doesn't sound like me. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I guess something else that I usually don't get into at Gen Con, sometimes I do one of them, is the Heroes of Rokugan stuff. If you're interested in the L5R RPG, they run designated modules all the time for tabletop games th throughout the weekend. And they also have a big interactive, a, a LARP thing, which is 
I kid you not, the only LARP thing I will consent to participate in ever. <laughs> they run that, and they are they're doing it this year as usual. Unfortunately, from my point of view, it is on Saturday morning, so you cannot participate in the LARP playing one of the big CCG tournaments, and I have to go with playing in one of the big CCG tournaments, which... Oh, I was so looking forward to seeing your emo makeup again. It's not emo makeup. I'm much too old for emo makeup. It's goth makeup. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I'd put that on for an L5R LARP. So <laughs> that, that has not been put on for anything for a long time. Ruin my fun. <laughs> well, yes. You've really got to get a better idea of fun than seeing Chris in, in eyeshadow and nail polish, man. You really do. Uh, <laughs> but it's so fun. <laughs> you, you, can, you can do it for the costume contest. That works. You know, I have a blood speaker? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no. 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 Okay, you could do like Justin did years ago and come as a tattooed man. <laughs> no. Also, because who's painting all the tattoos on me? Okay, that's a fair point. You and Mike volunteering, you're going to spend like five hours? You're right, I did not think this through. Yeah, you did not. There you you're, go. You're, you're just going to have to do it before we go and spend the whole week uh, as a tattooed man. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around shirtless the whole week. Everyone will love that. Love it. Right. Also, the fact that you won't be able to shower for a couple of days. Ew. On the other hand, we'll be in the gaming room, so who would notice? Ew. Come on. <laughs> there is no excuse for not having hygiene at... There is no excuse, and yet it happens. <laughs> I know you have, like, six people in your hotel room, but really, if, if you can't get the hotel to give you enough towels, then kick two people out. Tell them to go get another hotel somewhere else, guys. Come on. Come on. B-Y-O-T. Yes, that's also another good plan. Because, yeah, those, man, when you, some of those hotels, they really do have issues actually having enough towels when people are, every single room is cramming six poor gamers into their $300 a night room. Anyhow, if you go, I swear, if you go to the L5R LARP, you will actually not find a bunch of people without shirts and body odor issues. You will actually find a, a, a very well-groomed bunch of people. Right, right. We're we're not coming, so... If you don't play the L5R CCG, but you like L5R, that's actually quite fun. You do not have to have some fancy costume to participate in it, because... It just helps. I have, and I don't have one. Well, I think it helps to have something, like, here's a kimono, so you're not just standing there in jeans and a t-shirt, but... Right. So, steal the bathrobe from your hotel room. <laughs> A bathrobe is not a kimono, Jay. You're going to really have a bad costume, aren't you, on Saturday nights? <laughs> Maybe. You want to know L5R. And you have to have a character made up, and Heroes of Rokugan has some character creation limitations, but I don't think it's intimidating at all for somebody who's relatively new to it. At least in the past, the court interactives have not had die rolling or playing card flipping or whatever the resolution I guess that's I think the official resolution mechanic for L5R LARP is something with a deck of cards and I have the bomb well, no no that's White Wolf <laughs> but no I, 
L5R LARP. Not the same as Vampire LARP. You could also do that at Gen Con, but it's not early in the morning, oddly enough. Maybe they should trade times. Maybe there should be like a 9 a.m. Vampire LARP that I can miss, <laughs> and then like a 9 p.m. L5R LARP I can go to. No, no, see, there is a 9 a.m. Vampire LARP. It involves all the players hanging out in their coffins. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what it is when you you sleep in late. Like, I, I'm LARPing. Right. My vampire character is LARPing. There you go. Okay. Exactly. I, Jay, usually I get the award, but today you are going to get the award for most incredibly obtuse derailments of the conversation, okay? Yes. Okay, today you 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 get the cake. Ooh, cake. Yeah, the cake is a lie, dude. Don't get too excited. Aww. So, that, that is, I think, all of the many L5R things that are going on at Gen Con 2014. We hope to see you there. We may actually be wearing Strange Assembly t-shirts, so you, you might be able to pick us out. Otherwise, just look for the most awesome people in the room. And then look in the other corner. Yes, yes. If there's an awesome center of the con, we're the corner it's furthest from. Right, we're on the planet the farthest from there. Yes. So, but you've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can visit us at strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please do send me non-hate mail to chris at strangeassembly.com. I do appreciate getting it. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Time to go work on my costume. Now where'd I put my soldering iron? <laughs>